1: Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studio. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. This is where Chicago goes to talk Bears. Sports Radio 670 The Score. Chicago's home for Bears fans. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The
2: Score! score. Buzz, your
3: girlfriend. Woof.
4: Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum with you. Saturday Suckage and Awaken Bait Club both have gotten a workout today. And I want to thank the A15 Texture. You're the man and your table is ready, Rosie. Signed, Brian, a teacher, 773. I'm a teacher, all caps. Thank you. Bang. 312. Here, here, Steve. Teachers and librarians, most underpaid professions. This text appears right above the text that's just says gummies. So <laughs> welcome to the show. That's <laughs> that's how this show reads. Smoke can, weed every day. Yeah, right. If you're a teacher, you gotta get through it. There was a I just I, I have the greatest regard for teachers. I would I think my experience in life, I have something to offer in a particular part of storytelling, in a particular part of writing, telling a story, storytelling and the the way teachers have to deal with the variety of people writing kids the the variety of attention spans the variety of motivation anybody who does this below a high school level 12th grade and under you're my heroes it's just it's a different deal in college you could be there or not it's not that i don't thought, think my professors cared or my instructors cared in college it's that The teachers up until then it was I made the choice to go to school to show up to class before if I didn't the truancy police would be after me and they would throw me in high school jail or whatever it was. Um, I just think that they have the greatest regard for teachers to try to wrangle, wrangle, wrangle between IEPs and just kids being kids and energy and what are they learning? And then it was so horrible during the pandemic. Look, it was horrible for everybody. Those of us who were alive can look back and say, and wonder, at least I do, how much did our educational system get set back? How motivated are the kids to catch up? How motivated are school districts to catch up? And that's where you got no money for that. I, I don't, every, Every first dollar should go to education and teachers. You have my love and respect. Seven seven three text a uh, text line 312-644-6767. The text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai by Algonquin. Save time, shop online at rosenhyundai.com. Was it just you in the weed pictures, or did Sweet Cheeks join the WB Club too? Oh, I see what you're doing there. I see what you're doing there. No, Sweet Cheeks was too busy laughing outside as she was watching this unfold and and all of a sudden all of the wake and bake club members are going, yeah, I want my picture taken with the WB club guy on the radio. Boy, if this were, if they could ever figure out, I know there's a bill going through Congress of trying to not just decriminalize it, but there's a banking bill and that's the whole key. How much, how much money would this show be worth? Would the WB club be worth if they could figure out the banking bill and we could do remotes from these kind of places, but no, that picture sweet cheeks was, that's just for me. I know what you're trying to do there. Seven, seven, three, uh as sweet cheeks would say, Nuh-uh. seven, seven, three. Oh, mailman Jack. Hi mailman Jack. How are you doing? Thanks for listening. Is your supervisor going to call me mailman Jack? They're going to say, tell them to stop listening to the score and start delivering mail. They got to come home for stuff and do the food pickup. 100% right, Steve. My wonderful wife is an elementary reading specialist. I can't even fathom how she does it. Thanks, 773 Texture says. I teach eighth grade. 815, I've taught high school. K-4 through teachers are some of the most important people on the planet. They do a job that few can ever do and lay the foundation for kids loving school. That's so true. That's so true. We love you, teachers. Um, I want to love the Bulls. We're gonna talk to Rob Schaefer uh, in about 15 minutes, NBC Sports Chicago. He and Casey Johnson do a wonderful job reporting on the Bulls, such as it can be done. Tonight is game night from the United Center. You will hear the Bulls on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score at this year radio station. Chuck's pregame starts at 645. Bulls and Mavs. NBA's leading scorer Luka Doncic will come in here. So here's the interesting thing. The Mavs are whining about playing a back-to-back. a Late start, 9 o'clock start. Late night start at 9 o'clock and now 7 o'clock start tonight. The Mavs lost in Milwaukee, 106-105. They missed 14 free throws, and there'll be even more Tyree. I'm sure the teachers will correct me with my speakish. So the Bulls will play. They got a complete game from their big three. All the guys did everything, including the fourth quarter. And, like, for the last eight minutes, it was all them. It was basically DeRozan and Levine. Vooch was there. They delivered. They won. They beat a team without Bradley Beal, a Washington Wizards team that actually is ahead of them in this kind of stuff. And that's great. Thank God the Mavericks don't have Bradley Beal, so they're. I mean, the Bulls. They're they suck at threes. They suck at ball security. They coughed up the ball the ball nine times in the second quarter alone against. The Wizards, Wizards, come on. They had 19 turnovers. The Wizards scored 28 points off the Bulls' turnovers. The Bulls are 12th in the East. They're still trailing a bad Wizards team, the one they just beat. They're two games out of a play-in spot. One year ago today, the Bulls were 17-9. and See if you can connect the dots. You won't even have to connect the dots. I'm going to connect them for you. They were 17 and 9. They were in second place in the East, just behind the dysfunctional Mets. On January 20th, Lonzo Ball was diagnosed with a small meniscus tear. At that time, the Bulls were 28 and 15, 13 games over 500, and in first place in the East. Yes, the Bulls in first place in the East. New dynasty coming. Now. 11 months or so and a combination of 85 surgeries and updates and non-updates and bad lineups and awful explanations and excuses and draft choices who can't shoot or won't shoot and a fourth quarter benching of a $215 million player and sucky first quarters, the Bulls are 12th in the East since Ball's Small meniscus tear was diagnosed. And hey, he'll be back for the 2021 playoffs, right? It's just small meniscus tear. Since then, the Bulls have gone 28 and 35, end of last season, right into this season, seven games under 500. That's 20 games worse without Lonzo Ball, without one player. Ladies and gentlemen, your MVP, your Bulls MVP. Till further na- notice, is Lonzo Ball. That's just the way it works. That's one guy. You're not paying him 215 million. The guy you're paying 215 million, he hasn't gotten you over 500. Wait, do we have a breaking? Do we need the breaking phone call sounder? Sean Sears, is that what's? Oh my God! We have a glorious data. To- Bring in the holiday season. Well, share with us. Who's here with us? We have
1: Ray. He's in Orland Park, and he's actually a teacher.
4: Oh, Ray, we love teachers. Thanks for coming on. How are you, Ray?
3: I'm good. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, I got to say, during the pandemic, it was quite a to-do uh, kind of teaching in person, also having remote children online, trying to balance that. I kind of felt like a game show host at times. Like, all right, my at home players, what do you think the answer is? So that was quite an interesting time. And the respect my definitely players. My yeah, at home players. players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I got to incorporate them in the show, so I got to you know see what they can know. Uh, but yeah, the respect level has definitely dropped since uh, since the pandemic. Uh, the the aptitude for just the desire, I guess you know, focus on the family is nice, but when kids go to Jamaica twice a year, it's really hard to keep them, keep them on task, you know, when it's focused on the family all the time. Wow. Uh, but thank you for your love, I appreciate it. Uh, I did have a Bears question. Also, you know, a sports fan on top of being a teacher, Do um, we want we want the roster turnover. You talked about it. You know, even the even you maybe even talk about the Bulls. They turn the roster over too. A player like Larry Borum, just for instance, just as an example. Is it better to just send him away and get rid of him and then replace him? Or do you send his backup away and then he becomes the backup and at least you have a team that's consistent with your system and they know that they need to upgrade their talent. What kind of moxie or psychology does that send to a player? We still want you, but now as a backup versus just casting him off and maybe he never finds a job again.
4: Wait, where do you have Larry Borum going? Well, we need to get him healthy Uh, for one thing. Where do you have Larry Borum going?
3: I don't know. Just Indianapolis. Uh, the 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 who the the, the Texans. Just i just any team really. Just like uh, who picked up um, one of our linemen um, recently. Uh, the well, seventh Washington. round pick. His Washington. Yeah. yeah, they they picked up our our. our I can't names escaped me. But I'm I was shocked he found Leno Charles Leno. Yeah, I was shocked he found another team. Someone will want linemen, but is it better for someone like L- Larry Borm to be a backup tackle? And just kind of be in the rotation, or is it better just to say you're you're not our star anymore, so we're letting you go? What do you think is the better approach? Who's starting in place of him? Well, if you draft somebody or sign somebody, this mysterious new upgrade of talent that we're hoping uh, Ryan Poles can pull off, you know, just I'm just using him as an example.
4: Okay, well, I all right, so I got I I understand I understand what you're saying, Brian. I, I don't know that he he's necessarily the best example because the greatest. The greatest need is the defensive line. They're just awful. They're they're they cannot cannot rush the passer, and they cannot get pressure up the middle. They're I mean, they really can't do much. And and you look at the time that Aaron Rodgers had, and he was talking about it. he could get out of the pocket, and the secondary was doing such a good job. That's what kept the Bears in the game. Certainly not the pass rush or the pressure or anything else they were doing. So that's the place to start as far as the offensive line. You put guys in position, earn the position or not. And that's the way it's going to go. Whatever Larry, I, I don't know if they've made a decision. Brian Poles, former offensive lineman, maybe has made a decision on Larry Borum, maybe not. I don't know where they're, they are with that. I don't know that we should know. They'll just keep that. Their, their leverage is maintained in a lot of areas by keeping their mouths shut. And their actions will tell you what they really think of Larry Borum. Their actions will tell you what they think of everybody. But I don't, I don't think the, the offensive line has gotten had its issues and still does. Justin Fields deodorizes a lot of them. And, and they could use upgrades, but there are other places that have much more of a screaming need. And that would be the defensive line for starters. Plus that's another thing. If you're trying to evaluate, I know they don't hit anymore. One way you used to be able to evaluate a, a line alignment is who they were practicing against when you could hit in practice when football players actually practiced football as opposed to practicing. I don't know. They practiced tackle football before now it's flag and it's two hand touch below the waist. And it's not really football An offensive lineman cannot get better If they can't engage. And defensive linemen aren't going to get better if they can't be hit and blocked and develop moves. And when you are in this kind of whatever level, whatever number level of hell this is, the Bears are there. Their offensive linemen are not going to get better playing against worse defensive linemen. And the Bears' defensive linemen are worse than their offensive linemen, I think. I you know what you could say. Tom Thayer should answer the question. Jay Hilgenberger, a guest on this show, he's part of the WBBM uh, Bears broadcast could answer the question. Tom Thayer, part of the WBBM broadcast and the score, score regular Mully and Haw. You know, it's a question to ask what they think the Bears offense and defense, what those lines are missing by not being able to practice football. Right now they're practicing ballet. That's all they're doing. You might as well go to a ballroom. You can dress up in football clothes. You can dress up in a football costume and go to a ballroom. That's all you're doing. You're not practicing football. Not the way defensive linemen and offensive linemen need to practice. it. They need to hit. So if you were to ask Hilgi Thayer, all right, you guys are facing Hampton, McMichael, Fridge, and oh my God, those those outside linebackers, Mama's Boy Otis and Wilbur Marshall, and now you're, now what are you dealing with? How did that make you better? It had to make him better. This was a Bears offensive line that led the league in time of possession and rushing. Like five straight years, they made that defense better by giving them time off. They could eat up the clock, and the defense could sit down. And when Hampton and McMichael came on the field. They were going to eat, baby. They were going to eat. They practiced. When you played for Ditka, you practiced. You, you had contact. They don't do that anymore. You had contact and you got better back then. I'm not trying to sound like an old fogey. I'm simply talking about how would you practice now to make guys better? And if your offensive line is bad and your defensive line is worse, nobody's getting better and you're not practicing football. You might be able to do something at the bar. You might have that, do a plie or a rond de but you're not getting better at football. Bears defensive line is not getting better at football. Bears offensive line needs to be bailed out by Justin Fields because they don't get to practice football anymore. All right, screed over, rant over. But I would love to have Thayer or Hilgenberg talk about it. I they'll tell they I swear to God, they must be able they would be lying if they don't tell you they got better going against Hampton and McMichael. They would have to have gotten better. It's the advantage of having those kind of guys. Hall of Famer, maybe Mongo should be in the Hall of Fame too. You have to get better when you're playing against those guys, or you don't survive practice. I'm not even talking the Oklahoma drill. We're just talking playing football, not practicing dance steps I'm Steve Rosenblum this is Saturday suckage we will take a break and we'll come back and talk some bulls they're gonna face the NBA's leading scorer this team that doesn't really like guarding anybody oh boy talk with Rob Schaefer NBC Sports Chicago about these bulls can they start can they finish either way it'll be here on the score tonight I'm Steve Rosenblum
1: Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher Online Shop stage
1: well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching thirty seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in thirty seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I don't need the score. It's Saturday Suckage on
4: six seventy the score in Odyssey Station. One point nine good. left Kuzma sideline left and played it. no good. Hit back rim. Ball game over. Bulls win. Bulls win, Bulls win, flip dance. 115, 111 Bulls. <laughs> that is the inimitable, but often imitated, Chuck Swirsky. Bulls win, Bulls beat the Wizards and they move on in the schedule. And that's what we're going to talk about now. But first we have a bit of breaking news. Breaking news on the score is brought to you by the Beat the Streak podcast. Get an inside edge on how to win the $5.6 million prize every day this season. Listen on Odyssey or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking news is that Luka Doncic, the NBA's leading scorer, will not play. He will miss tonight's game in Chicago against the Bulls. I'm reading that from the NBC Sports Chicago website written by my next guest, Rob Schaefer. Rob, the Bulls could win. Because the the Mavericks won't have the NBA's leading scorer, nor will they have Bradley Beal, and they're really good against teams that don't have Bradley Beal.
1: (laughs) That's a great point, Steve. Although I point out, you know, they did trail that Bradley Beal-less Wizards team by six points early in the fourth quarter on Wednesday. and I mean, that Wizards team is really not any good. So so even that game going down the wire uh, the way it did, wasn't necessarily encouraging, even if we finally saw the Stars play like Stars. Uh, But, yeah, you mentioned Luca being out. Uh, Mavs are also going to be without Maxi Kleba, who in a game last year hit six threes against the Bulls. Bulls fans will remember him. Uh, And Josh Green, who's also a pretty nice start to the year as a 3-and-D wing. He's out, too. So a lot of advantages uh, for the Bulls tonight in a game that a week ago I probably would have chalked up as a loss. Uh, But when you combine that with the fact that Mavericks – didn't get into the city until four in the morning, this, you know, this morning, Um, this is one I I, I think the Bulls really have to have.
4: Yeah. They were whining about it too, but it's kind of, this is almost a game. I know you're going to chalk up as like, this is not going to happen, but see in this weird season, I chalk this up as this is a game they win and the Washington game was one they would have lost. I don't, I'm going to ask you the unanswerable question. And to be fair, just so you know, I asked the same thing of KC, and he had zero idea. How do you explain these Bulls?
1: And I, I assume you're talking about the disparity between, you know, kind of underperforming against below 500 teams, but then pulling out these wins against Boston and Milwaukee. They beat Miami to start the year. Who, who happened yeah, to be all that? Yeah, great, they, as it turns out. They,
4: they kind of, yeah, but they kind of did it last year. They were the, you know, they were beating the teams they should have beaten. They couldn't beat anybody good and that played on right through the playoffs. And And now suddenly, oh, you become. You become giant killers and you suck against the dregs. I don't. I'm just trying to understand why and and how is it your 250 million dollar guy can't get started in the first quarter and then wasn't even good enough to play a fourth quarter. I'm just trying <laughs> yeah. get a handle on this. Help me, Rob. <laughs> I think the closest thing I have to an explanation and it
1: is it, it it isn't really you know explainable. It, this seems like a team that you know has their eyes set on. Uh, you know, playoff success. That's how they're evaluating themselves. Even if a lot of people on the outside see a group that is struggling to even get into the playing picture. And I think they get up for those games against the Boston's and the Milwaukee's of the world. And I think, and seriously, I think their last two games against those two teams were their two best defensive performances of the season. And then they go on the West coast and they got, and not to say that Phoenix isn't a great team, but they got torched by Phoenix defensively. Um, Sacramento, you know, shot the ball pretty poorly from three, but didn't have much trouble getting good shots, generating good looks against this Bulls team. So I think it all points to consistency and, you know, consistent engagement on a nightly basis because they're not a team that is, you know, particularly talented on the defensive end of the floor. And the offense has been way below expectation this year. So to win, I think they have to do it defensively, as weird as it sounds to say. And unless they are locked in and engaged, you know, for every second of every game, it's easy for them to have slip-ups. And I just think they have not been as locked in and engaged against some of the teams that they probably don't feel like they have to get up for. Uh, But the reality is this Bulls team is closer to the bottom of the league than the top right now. So they don't really have the luxury of overlooking
4: anybody. That's a terrible mental weakness. That's a terrible hole. They've been exposed. if If you're right, and that's the most reasonable thing I've heard, if you're right, that's terribly revealing about how ill-equipped mentally and emotionally these guys together are to win anything. And do they know they're in 12th place? They're out of the play-in even? Yeah. I mean, I think I think the common thing there would be to say that it's early, uh,
1: you know, if you were being an optimist about it. But, I mean, I, you know, I'm not even the only one that's really alluded to stuff like energy – uh, you know, the engagement level being a, uh, being an issue. I mean, Billy has talked about that. I, I, you know, the Denver game uh, at home where yeah. a, similarly, you know, Denver wasn't a shorthanded as Dallas is tonight, but they were coming off, you know, a pretty brutal schedule stretch. I think they were at the end of a six or seven game road trip and the bulls were off two off nights and Denver ran them out of their own gym. So, and, and Billy after that game was, was pretty hard on, on his guys in terms of bringing the right level, of energy, this it has really been a problem. I knew mean, it was a problem after the all star break last year. Uh, it's something that this team has struggled with, and that's why you know I say they have to have the game against the Mavericks tonight, but I there's no way I could guarantee um, a victory, just that's just how <laughs> be. they've been. <laughs> there's just no way I can do it.
4: No way we could, we just guarantee that they will show up in uniform. I think that's as far as you can go with this team, which is really scary. My guest is Rob Schaefer, NBC Sports Chicago. Talking Bulls here on the score. You'll hear the Bulls. Chuck's pregame at six forty-five. Bulls Mavericks tip-off seven o'clock. Bill Wennington, Lisa Lisa Bergamini, and they will bring you the action. That um, look, we have no idea what it's going to be. But with Javante Green out again, it appears, and Patrick Williams, the I such an enigma, though better. There were slight. If your arrow, if his arrow's pointing some way, it's more up than sideways, which is an improvement for him. The idea is to get that arrow pointing up regularly with the starters, although I don't know if, if you eliminate the whole fourth overall pick thing and he just becomes one of your top eight contributors, maybe that changes things. But your evaluation of this seemingly roller coaster season for Patrick Williams, Rob.
1: Yeah, I think I probably put the arrow slightly up at this point too, but the only way I can do that is with the caveat that you have to put, you have to readjust the expectations. Like you just said, you have to put the number four overall pick, you know, all-star leap this year, which I know everyone wanted. Like you have to put that aside a little bit and work with what we know of Patrick Williams as a player and just what he's produced, you know, in his first two NBA seasons, obviously he missed most of last year with injury. But like, and 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 then the first five games of this season, I mean, he obviously had been starting until uh, Billy shook up the starting lineup. Now Javante's yeah. been hurt a few games. Yeah. Um, so he's been, he's still been with the starters, but he started the year, not just, you know, playing passively offensively, which I know is what drives most people crazy, He also wasn't playing with, you know, for my seat, and I know a lot of other people's seats, particularly energetically defensively, which to me, I I care less about scoring outputs, shot attempts with him than being a, a, you know, a help side rim protector, being disruptive, being in passing lanes, guarding opponents' best players. Like to me, that's the way that he contributes most immediately to this team uh, because he's still kind of an unpolished offensive player. Um, I think he's been much better on that end of the floor since the first week or two of the season. So that's why I'd put, you know, his arrow up a little bit. He's rebounding a little bit better. He's blocking shots a little bit better. Um, he's been individually defending some wings a little bit better, but I think it is telling at the same time that he just has not necessarily been a good fit along with IO Dsumu. They just have not been a good fit next to Levine, DeRozan and Vucevic to the point that Billy thought that he had to change the starting lineup entirely. Uh, now, the way Billy will spin that, he says, you know, put Caruso and Javante Green whenever he's healthy with the stars. You know, he wants to see what that looks like. He also says he thinks that putting Io and Patrick with the second unit could give them a little bit more rein to be aggressive offensively because you're not playing alongside as ball dominant of players. So we'll see if that'll unlock something for him. It's just, again, you have to put aside the all-star expectations, at least for now, and just kind of deal with Patrick Williams as we, as we know him. Uh, and by those standards, I think Arrow is slightly up, and we'll see if he's
4: able to build on it. Rob Schaefer, NBC Sports Chicago, is my guest. We're talking Bulls here on the score. The I went, I read, ran the numbers on Lonzo Ball, and when he got hurt, they were 28 and 15, 13 games over 500. They were in first place in the East last year, so it's mm-hmm. about 11 months since then. And there have been any number of surgeries, updates, non a non-updates, bad lineups, awful explanations, draft choices who can't shoot or won't shoot fourth quarter benchings, bad starts. The bulls are 12th since then. They're 20 games worse. They've got, they've they they're 20 games below since Lonzo ball left. Now, are they getting bad information on bad medical information? Is there, I don't know what's to be known there. Are they, are the Bulls front office personnel to be blamed for not making this a better team and expecting this to be long, as long as it has? Is the coach at fault or the players at fault for not adjusting? Because this guy is your MVP. This guy's your NBA MVP for what he's done to a team that was in first place a year ago and now is in 12th place. In the East who where would you i don't know assign fault assign blame where where was the big mistake made
1: yeah i it's it's hard to pick it's hard to pick one i 'll run down you know just kind of what I was thinking as you were running through a lot of that okay um, you know chronology there I think the front office in a weird way there's two sides of the coin I think you you, you give them some credit initially for finding this player who when he was healthy was so integral to what the bulls were doing when they were, when they were good, you know, high volume elite three point shooter on a team that, you know, as we found out doesn't have a lot of three point shooting and was really as a point guard was the anchor of their defense, which, which is pretty remarkable when you consider what a traditionally a defensive anchor looks like him and Caruso were really key to, you know, forcing turnovers, allowing the bulls to play, you know, a, a conservative scheme that helps Nikola Vucevic, but also wreaking havoc and getting out in transition, um, you know, a subtle number, but their, their transition efficiency really cratered last season when, when Lonzo was out, and that's no surprise. On the other hand, you could say the front office misevaluated his injury history, and this is a guy who had durability concerns. He had an MCL surgery uh, or a meniscus surgery, you know, when he was with the Lakers, uh, on, uh, you know, on his, you know, the team that drafted him gets traded to the Pelicans and then the Pelicans, you know, a team who really maximized them. I mean, they remade his jump shot. He, he was a, he was a pretty good player for them. They were happy to let him walk for nothing. And now, you know, it's, it's hindsight now, because I don't think anybody could have foreseen this level of injury uh, concern with Lonzo. But looking back now, you wonder, did the Pelicans know something that other people didn't? Ooh. Did they have him in the building and they saw this coming? Maybe. I, I think you have to ask that question. So I think, you know, evaluating the player in a vacuum, I think the Bulls front office deserves a lot of credit. But the injury stuff, maybe they underestimate it. Uh, now, in terms of blaming medical people or anything like that, I have a hard time doing that just because I'm not privy to the most inner circle of those conversations. Everything I can glean is even Lonzo doesn't seem to really have a handle on what's going on here yeah. in terms of what the actual issue is beyond the meniscus that was, you know, uh, initially addressed. He's had two surgeries since he's been out. Um, and, you know, I, I like what you said about updates and non-updates because, to me, as much as, you know, it gets asked about every now and then and headlines are made, we haven't had a real update since the September. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's still like that's, – that's my read on it. I mean, to me, you see him in the building and, he, and he, he's lifting weights and he's rehabbing and, and the word is he's progressing. But until he's on a basketball court and sprinting full speed like that, that is what that is the first real update to me, uh, because that's where his rehab stalled out towards the end of last season. Um, So, you know, I have a hard time assigning blame to specific medical people because I don't know just intricately what the process has been. But the, the fact that nobody seems to have a clean answer on a lot of this stuff and, you know, his rehab is still progressing slowly. I mean, all that is the reason this stuff is so. Concerning and why, you know, we can we can say, oh, optimistically, maybe January, maybe the All Star break. Like I, I have a hard time saying anything definitive until he's actually back uh, on a basketball court. Um, and then, you know, I know people want to blame Billy for this stuff. I know people want to blame the players for this stuff. Um, to me, there's some you know level of criticism that can go there. But at the end of the day, it's a roster that is thin uh, in terms of defensive personnel and thin on three point shooting. And with Lonzo in, it all made sense, but without him, I think those flaws have been exposed. So that's why I kind of go to the front office first in terms of not necessarily building a roster that was equipped to weather injuries. Like, like one injury like that, it affects you, but it shouldn't lead from you dropping from first in the conference to, you know, a team that's out of the play in a quarter of the way through the next season.
4: Rob, you did a really good job of breaking it down piece by piece, and I, I keep going back to the top of the organization to to A.K. and Eversley, and I say, if you have if you have doubts, you wonder about doubts. And the point you made about thin, the depth was thin, and they're weak at three point shooting. Why did they draft a the guy who can't shoot for a second straight year?
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I suspect Steve, you're not going to be satisfied with this answer, but I think it's, I think it's the, the answer that is most accurate in terms of how they were thinking. This is not a front office that drafts for need, right? They don't draft for fit necessarily for your current roster. I think they take a longer view in terms of work draft, the best prospect, the guy that we see the most upside with. And I think at that spot, it, it was Dalen and Terry. Um, and, I don't think there were any illusions about it. I mean, even on draft night, you know, considering his draft range was mostly projected to be a little bit lower considering his limitations at the college level. You know, we knew the three-point shot was a work in progress. Mm-hmm. We knew he was a little bit more of an unrefined prospect. I-, I didn't expect him to, you know, seriously contribute for this team this year. The hope is, you know, they're, they've got him on a plan where he's playing a lot of G League games. He's hopping into the rotation every once in a while. I think they hope that this could be a developmental year for him, and then, you know, he springboards that moving forward. But it, it's, it's a valid question. I think a valid frustration for, for fans and people looking at this thing because the way that this roster was assembled, it cost them, you know, three future first-round picks combined in the Vucevic and DeRozan trades. You throw, mm-hmm. you know, the massive contract at Levine. So now those three guys are taking up a lot of your cap. Um, you know, they, made, they, they fired all their bullets in free agency to get guys like Lonzo and Caruso. They brought themselves right up to the luxury tax line, which they're not going to go over. So they were limited resource-wise this offseason. Like, they had that draft pick. They had, you know, a portion of their, you know, salary cap exceptions to go sign some marginal free agents. And they had, you know, limited trade assets, but some trade assets that maybe you could have gotten creative with. And I totally get it, you know, if anybody's frustrated with, the fact that this is a team that has been boxed into a win-now corner but then used one of their few precious assets from last offseason on a guy who, you know, who knows how the rest of the season plays out, but I don't foresee him contributing in a consistent or significant way to winning this year, even if he ends up a fine player down the line. Um, It's kind of a weird, you know, they're they're toeing the line between keeping this young core intact but also pushing to win now, and I think the result has been so far – Pretty underwhelming uh, on both counts.
4: Well, maybe sometime soon they'll pick a lane. Rob, I, I appreciate you doing your best to explain this. You, you, you plain explain Bulls basketball for non-Bulls basketball majors. And that was very much, very much appreciated. I think I'm better off. I think I'm smarter. I don't know if I'm better off, but I think I'm better <laughs> equipped now. Thanks, thanks you're for definitely, your time, You're Rob.
1: definitely not better off. You're definitely <laughs> oh, not. Oh,
4: great. Off. Thanks, thanks, Rob. I appreciate it. Right. Thanks for thanks coming for on. Me. Rob Shea for NBC Sports Chicago on the Bulls as best as they can be explained. Hey, Sean Sears. Do we? Um, you know what? Let's go out with the, of this segment with our friends the mckenzie brothers as part of the holiday spirit this is one of the all-time great songs great holiday songs christmas songs the mckenzie brothers from the mckenzie brothers that's all you got to know dave moranis and and, and it was just uh, rick moranis i'm sorry and dave thomas uh from second city and do we have that sean on the
2: first day of christmas my true love gave to me a beer true love gave to me two turtlenecks and a beer okay, on the third day of christmas my true love gave to me three french toasts two turtlenecks and a beer okay that should be more there anywhere eh? uh, well, fourth day of christmas my true love gave to me four pounds of bacon, three french toasts two turtlenecks and a beer in a tree see you need more Fifth day, of Christmas my true love gave to me five golden toques, four pounds of back bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. Okay, on the sixth, Christmas my true love gave to me six packs of two five golden toques, four pounds of back bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. Gave to me seven packs of smoke. Yeah, oh, six packs of two oh, for five golden tubes, four pounds of bag bacon, three French toast. two turtle packs, and a beer in a tree. Oh, okay. This should just be the two days of Christmas. It's too hard for us. Um go hold. Oh, oh eighth eighth day day the eight pairs of me Eight comic books, seven, seven packs of smoke, six, six, six packs of two for five. Okay, day 12. Good day, and welcome to day 12. Four golden twos, four pounds of bag, three French coats, two turtlenecks, and a beer.
1: Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station.
4: Indeed it is. Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage, taking you to the top of the hour. Reminder, Bulls, Mavs, Chuck's pregame is 645 tonight on 670 The Score. That's us. Hey, you know who turned 69 on Friday? This guy. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Teddy KGB had a birthday Friday. John Malkovich. The villain with a killer tell, the Oreo tell in Rounders. He turned 69 on Friday. That bad, in that bad Russian accent. Okay. Pay him. Pay that man his money. His money. Okay. Did you know, as much as I love Rounders and have quoted it, listen. Here's the thing. If you can't spot the sucker in your first half hour at the table, then you are the sucker. That's how that movie starts. That is Matt Damon as Mike McDermott. Did you know that, I did not know this, that John Malkovich was born in Christopher, Illinois? Was he really? Did you know there was a Christopher, Illinois? Do you know where Christopher is?
1: No, I don't. I'm guessing Southern Illinois would be my guess.
4: Indeed, it's not the end of the world, but you can see Carbondale from there. So it's in that. I did Basically not know the world. <laughs> Malkovich was, you know, part of the local theater scene, and I did not know Christopher Illinois. He turned 69. Paid, paid that and then the same guys who wrote Rounders, Brian Koppelman and David Levine, same guy who wrote Rounders, also wrote, created billions, co created billions, co write billions. And they brought malkovich back to play a russian with a lot of money and a foil for for bobby and for axe and that was it and i just can't get enough of the john malkovich russian accent so those of you who listen to the show i thank you the fellow suckageers you know how it starts and ends and So it figures that this would include this starts with James Dean. It ends with already gone. It's the Eagles in 1976. This came out this week. Politis. Here we
3: go. We
4: bring in Saturday Suckage and the WB Club. The smell of politus the Eagles, it's all right there for you. Hotel California, the album, the song. Hotel California came out. It is the sixth greatest selling album of all time. Kids, ask your parents what an album is. So I'll ask you, Sean, and I'll ask our texters. Greatest selling album of all time, according to Wikipedia and certified copies. Got a quick guess?
1: It's Hotel California, isn't it?
4: No, it is not. Mm, greatest selling album of all time. Is this, uh,
1: is this one that was just recently broken, or is it... Oh, no, it's, it's Thriller. It's Thriller.
4: Yeah, sure. Somebody gave you the answer, idiot. Think I'm stupid? <laughs>
1: Could you to hear me clicking on my keyboard. I'm
4: smart, <laughs> not like people say. Yeah, Thriller, 1982. 50 million copies. And then second, I was really surprised by this. I'm a fan, but I'm just surprised. ACDC, Back in Black, 30.1 million copies. Wow. Certified copies. That's the second greatest selling of all time. Second greatest selling album of all time. And if you mention ACDC to Matt Spiegel, and I think you should, Spiegel's line is, I love when they make that same album every time. <laughs> And after that, the bodyguard, Whitney Houston, 1992 and 28.7 billion Pink Floyd, dark side of the moon, which was on the, was on the charts for, I think 120 weeks. Some, or I'm sorry for over 300 weeks. It was some ridiculous number Eagles greatest hits 71 through 75 that was ahead of the Eagles Hotel California. And behind them is Shania Twain. Come on over. Ooh, feel like a woman. Um, there was something else I wanted to get to, wasn't there, Sean? Did I? Did I want to get to? What I th- didn't I mention? I th- what I th- didn't I do? There was something else. I feel like you got it all. We, no. got
1: a, we got a couple other songs.
4: No. Oh, I know what it was. I want to go to the text. Suck. Yeah, I know the Dude Hates the Eagles 219. That's the only bad part of the Big Lebowski. In fact, in fact, Jeff Bridges tells a story that he did the movie and he was friends with Glenn Fry. <laughs> and he said it was an uncomfortable moment when they met after the movie. Oh my uncomfortable God. moment. So I, wanted, I want to share this. Uh, we were talking about teachers. Early, I was talking about teachers earlier, 708. 20-year special education teacher in South Burbs here. Thanks, Rosie. You know what, special education teachers, gold star, kudos more than anything else. I don't know how you take, You don't take it home with you. I, I thank you, you have all my respect for what you do. The most difficult thing in the job in the world is being a teacher. And somebody put it right here, 847 Tech. I taught elementary school. I have assisted professors of medicine in teaching doctors and I've hired athletes to speak at $80,000 an hour. It is a travesty that our society values athletes with such astronomical salaries who really add just entertainment to our society, unlike teachers and medical professors who are compensated for a fraction of what these athletes are compensated for. It just sucks. And like that, we're at the end of another Saturday Suckage. See what i did there see how it all turned back on itself it's what it is what saturday suckage is all about teachers i love you please keep doing that however you find your motivation your enthusiasm you're the most important people in the world fellow Suckageers, thank you i will not be here next week we are doing a triple header on the score but i'll tell you this if nobody important listen this week in two weeks to celebrate the christmas holiday There will be some form of suckage on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score, that's this radio stage. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Yes, wait, wait a minute,
0: minute.
4: Mr.
2: Post.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Oh yeah. That's yeah. it. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way.